Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Scott. I mean, that, that wasn't that was a very downtrodden on Michael Barr. I had a smooth way to That was a very yeah, that was different than usual. Yeah. But you want that's what you want? That's what I want. Alright, that is my turn. And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I like your style. Thank you. There you go. On this week's show, we have Chief Executive Officer of BSE Global, Brett Yormark. And joining us later for that interview is Bloomberg sports reporter, Evan Novi Williams. But we got a lot of topics to talk about. I miss when Evan can't join us. I'm glad he joined us for Brett Yormark, but he can't be here right now for this portion of the show. And bluntly, he had a doctor's appointment. Well, I mean, he's allowed not to, but he's like stats guy. Like, I'll make a point and just say it like it's true. And then Eben backs me up with the stats. Yeah, he's got he's he, a, he's he a comes, stats guy. He comes. He was remember like like last week. He was like, I'm on the internet, and he's he had the stats. Like yeah. that's what he brings. I'm bringing in what day is this? And you know he's bringing in the stats. Let's be honest. Even some days we have to <laughs> we have to take a second take on what day is this. Michael, I'm not sure you know what day it is every day. Yeah, it's, because frequently, but as 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 Medina is throwing darts, <laughs> frequently on the on the paper it says Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. But you and I know at this point we ad lib in the correct Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I do that on purpose to see if you're paying attention. Just to attention. test us? Oh, yes. Well, that's not fair because, you know, the two of us, that is not fair. And I also know this month is September. Here's <laughs> <laughs> our first. Our topic first, one. It, it, this is a, a serious topic. Uh, Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. And uh, he has donated millions of dollars and part of the Me Too movement because of what was uncovered by the NBA in his front office. Yeah, this is weird for me. You know, I've known Mark a long time. I've been in the locker room talking to Mark as he's on the treadmill. And it makes it seem, the findings tell me that Mark was so detached from the franchise, from what was going on, when the image of Mark is that he's the owner who's involved in everything, sitting there courtside, walking on the court. There's there's such a dichotomy between what the reality was and seemingly uh, the investigation showed that Mark didn't know and nobody brought it to Mark's attention and maybe the process was all screwed up. But Mark said, uh, you know, I, I, it's on he me. Screwed I up. screwed up. I, yeah. I, it, it's on me. Like, But the dichotomy of the reality that Mark was so detached from what was going on right underneath his nose to the image of Mark being that meddlesome, I'm involved in everything owner, is very surprising to me. I, I think it, at least it's a it's a good start for, because you rarely hear it, for someone to come out a, as a male and say, hey, this is my bad, and we got to make this better. At least it's rare, I mean, not in the bar household, though. Well. <laughs> Only Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm... I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, just so you know, by the way, I had I had reached out to Mark prior to this. I didn't know that the report was coming down. I had reached out to Mark to, to see if he wanted to be on the show, and he does. So we're going to have Mark on one of these days soon. The, uh, the NBA owners are meeting in New York, so I figured he'd be in town, and he'd come in, and we could do it. But he's filming Shark Tank. He didn't come to New That's York. That's right. So he's That's filming right. Shark Tank this week. Um, but I would love to sit down sort of as a manager, as an owner, from a business perspective, how did Mark get this way where he was so detached where just these things did not reach him? It just, it's incongruous, like the word. It's incongruous for me, for the Mark that I know, the Mark that I thought I knew, and the involved Mark, and the fact that none of this reached his desk. Well, when you have a large organization, and not only with the Dallas Mavericks, but again, he's with Shark Tank, He's he has so many other irons in the fire, 
you can see now how it can get lost. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can you can see it, but it's just a lot of bad looks there from Tiusery on down to some others in that franchise. A lot of bad looks, and you just would have figured that somehow, some way, with the pervasiveness with which this was happening, that this would have gotten out earlier. But hey, he'll says he'll clean it up now. We'll see. And he said $10 million will be donated to women's organizations. And let's move on to the National Football League. <laughs> have team values plateaued? Well, according to Forbes, they have. It looks like, what, the values are up 2% during the past year, reaching $2.57 billion. When the Panthers came up for sale, everybody was tossing around, you know, $3 billion, $3 billion, and that didn't happen. It didn't happen because, like, David Tepper was the only guy who stepped up who actually had the money to get it done. There were some other bidders who said, I want it, but they didn't have the liquid cash to make it happen. And that's what's happening in the NFL. you got to have 30% of that price in cash, um, and there just aren't that many folks around these days. Yeah, 30% of $3 billion is just inside a billion dollars and in cash. In now, cash. who has that list lying around the house? Yeah, I mean, obviously there are some who do, but uh, up until now I haven't seen uh, Zuckerberg raise his hand to say, I want to buy a pro sports team. Uh, how many folks are out there? What I wonder is if if this gets discussed at the NFL headquarters and among the owners, and if there really is sort of this, this suppression of bidders, does the NFL amend its ownership rules? That's the beautiful thing about being in this club. You can always change the rules. They're moving targets. So do they amend the rules to make it easier for not only one person to put down, whether it's less or expand the number of people, because right now I believe it's 25 people are allowed in an ownership group. Do they make that bigger? They can change the rules to make it easier, to, to, to expand that pool of possible bidders. However, you do open the door for ownership group troubles. As we've seen in other sports, the NFL does not allow for corporate ownership. They don't want one affecting the other. And these rules have, by and large, prevented the sorts of problems we've seen with bankruptcies and other sports, uh, we've seen the NFL stay clear of that. And just in, ESPN Plus, some good news. Yeah, well, for them, if you're wondering how many people were going to take in this OTT service, in the five months since launch, they've reached a million paid subscribers. Five, here, we're going to flex that math again. Ready, Michael Barr? $5 a month. One million subscribers. Wait, let me get my abacus. <laughs> Slide the beads. <laughs> Plus two. I mean, it's it's not. It doesn't offset the losses of the cable side, but again, this is fledgling technology. We're just starting here. Now, and others. Here, let me see. What do I got here? ESPN gave out some cool things. Pandora Premium launched March 2017. Hit one million paid subscribers eight months later. So they're ahead of Pandora Premium. Wow. There you go. There's a name. There's there's a name and a comparison. You know, this is going to be the future, folks. Yeah. This you know it, the old terrestrial broadcast stuff, I, I, which I love, obviously. My kid will never pay for a cable bundle. Never. He'll steal your password, and, and he'll watch whatever <laughs> he wants to watch. He's talked to my son. <laughs> there you he? go. Those are your biggest stories, and they are big stories. Hey, you can find me on Twitter. I'm getting good at Twitter, by the way. Yeah, although, no, no. Actually, Eben and I did have a little bone to pick with you. Uh -oh. And Eben actually, you ready for what Eben Novi Williams said out loud to me? Now we're going to find out again if he listens to the show. You know what he said out loud? Uh-oh. I may have to unfollow Barr. 
What? He he Eben does not allow for cat videos. What's wrong with the cat video? I'm just I telling put up you, Eben does not allow for cat oh. videos. It's a personal rule. If you're going cat animal videos, you risk losing Novi underscore Williams. Do you know I put the animals and those cute little videos on there because with the world the way it is, hey. You can explain it away any way you want. I'm just bringing you the truth from the other side of the building. Man. Eben Novi Williams uttered the words, I may have to unfollow Barr. And I said I missed you too, Evan. There you go. You can find me on Twitter with my cat videos at Big Bar Sports. And you can follow me at Sashnik. We're here each and every week at this time and catch our Apple podcast on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And now for No, Scott- now, no, no, no. You no. see, you could have said, and no. now. <laughs> you see? I was so good. ahead of you on All that right, one. That was Do it good. that way. Do it that way. Let's that see was, how it sounds. And meow for Scott. <laughs> And my interview, well, that yes, was good. That works. With CEO of BSE Global, Brett Yormark. As, oh man. As Chief Executive Officer of BSE Global, Brett Yormark oversees the business enterprise that manages and controls the Brooklyn Nets, Barclays Center, the New York Islanders Business Operations, NYCB Live. I was going to say, home take a breath. Of the Nassau <laughs> Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Oh my goodness! It it LIU Brooklyn. I didn't know they had this. Huh? Yeah, I mean, you know, the LIU Brooklyn Paramount Theater. You want oh. me to help? Webster Hall, the G League, the, the Long Island Nets. Man, a lot wow. of stuff in BSE Global. Your mark oversaw all aspects of the Nets' move to Barclays Center in Brooklyn in 2012, including the rebranding, marketing, and sponsorship sales. Since its grand opening in September 2012, your mark has had oversight for all facets of Barclays Center, including operations, event programming, sales, and marketing. In January 2007, Yormark secured a 20-year strategic marketing partnership with Barclays, which includes the naming rights to Barclays Center. Brett, thanks very much for coming in. It's good to see you, my Glad friend. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. How long have we known each other now? God, probably 15-plus years, I remember maybe doing. Close to 20. We did a TV shoot years ago on the practice facility in New Jersey. I don't remember what it was for, but you were selling the New Jersey Nets. We were selling the New Jersey Nets and the vision for Brooklyn. Ice I'm to sure. the Eskimos, my friend. Yes. Ice to yes. the Eskimos. How much harder is it to sell the New Jersey <laughs> Nets? When you look back, you're like, man, I was working hard. Listen, I, I cut my teeth back in, in New Jersey, and I think when you can be resilient— and fight through the challenges we did. It just makes you stronger, and and in many respects gets you prepared. And uh, obviously thrilled to be in Brooklyn, uh, excited about the upcoming season. And in some respects, those days are kind of in the rearview mirror. I mean, everything's focused about Brooklyn and and what that means to the team today. Although the fans in Jersey have stayed with us um, and they watch us on Yes if they're not in the building. So um, Jersey's an important part of our past, but it's all about the future. It's all about Brooklyn. I followed Ian Eagle at Syracuse University, and Ian's here. I mean, every time I see Ian, I'm just like, my God, how long have I been doing this? And and he's still and he there. doesn't age, Ian. He doesn't. He, he does he, not he, age, he does and uh, he's been you know the voice of the Nets for a long time, and um, just a great partner. But when you think about Brooklyn, you think about the Nets first and foremost. That's sort of the core tenant. But we're talking boxing. You're talking shows and concerts. You really have to wrap your arms around entertainment take out Absolutely. the sport it's entertainment it's at it's entertainment at the highest levels we um you know the building was built for the brooklyn nets um but we're a lot more than just basketball 
I mean, we have a boxing franchise. We have a, a concert business, a, a family show franchise. We're big in college basketball, in addition to, obviously, the Brooklyn Nets. And for the last couple of years, we've had Islanders hockey. So we're a busy building, but you're, you're absolutely correct. It's all about entertainment, and uh, it's, it's been a great run. Uh, next week will be six years in Brooklyn. Our six-year anniversary. God, it's been that long. Right, it's been I, six I, I, years really? already. Gosh. Yep. Man. Seems I, like yesterday. I was living right in the shadow of the Barclays Center when it was going up, and we were so excited about being able to go to professional sporting events right down the street. And the moment it opened, call from the landlord. Hey, by the way, uh, your rent, uh, it's going up significantly. Oh. <laughs> so we stuck around long enough to see the opening Jay-Z concert, but Good. We, we were not there much Good. longer. Well, it, it, you know, the building has been a bit of a catalyst uh, for the renaissance. Things, of, it's always sold Brooklyn. that way, but it's yes. not always the result. That's correct. That's correct. And But, you know, our goal was not just about the venue. It was about job creation. It was about affordable housing. You know, the mixed-use development was the vision that Bruce Ratner had, and it's probably taken a little longer for it to all come to fruition. But when you go down Flatbush today and at that intersection of Atlantic Avenue, um, we've created a, a community and one that we're very proud of. So, Brett, before we go any further, we learned a lesson a couple of weeks ago. We had Oscar De La Hoya on. Uh, he did not tell us he was considering running for president, and we were bummed about that. <laughs> I read that. So, I read that. Boiler play question we're asking everybody now. Uh, are you considering running for president? Uh, I am not. Okay, great. And, okay. and, I, don't, and I don't think Oscar De La Hoya should either. And by the way, we're Fair sitting enough. about, what, 100 feet from Mike Bloomberg's desk. <laughs> so, yeah. And there's somebody who might. So. <laughs> you know, when you bring a sports team to – Brooklyn or any city, whatever, and you just you touched off onto it about the jobs that it brings, about the money that it brings into that community. Can you expand more about that? All of a sudden, Little Hoot Robinson's bar or whatever it is by there, all of a sudden now that's the hangout spot. Well, I mean, it, it, when you recreate a community, and we did with the uh, building of Barclays Center, it should be the economic engine, you know, for de- for the downtown area, and I think it has. I mean, retailers are experiencing growth like they never had before. Housing, if you go down Flatbush Avenue, I mean, there's rig, rigging everywhere. I mean, new housing, you know, has started obviously over the last eight or nine years and it continues. Um, just job creation, generally speaking. I mean, we have over 2,000 part-time jobs that we've been able to create at Barclays Center, as well as many full-time jobs. And then the housing on the arena block and heading east were a part of the, the, the vision that Bruce Ratner had too. So it truly has served um, its purpose, not only about bringing sports entertainment back to this great borough of Brooklyn, but also uh, from a peripheral standpoint, creating jobs, creating housing, and most importantly, just creating opportunities. I wasn't making up, by the way, Hoot Robinson. That used to be a bar at the old Tiger Stadium back in Detroit, Michigan, and Trumbull. And that was, I mean, and now the place, it wasn't, you know, like elaborate, but it. it you were like it, Norm from Cheers. You walk in, the whole yeah, place went bar. I mean, everybody would go to Hoot Robinson's there when it was at the old Michigan and Trumbull. Once they moved and they went into the downtown area, that was it for the bar. And I, and I just wonder when, when a team moves. Uh, it's there's a lot of thought that goes into it. it add Absolutely. So well, well you... Brooklyn knows a thing or two about teams moving away. Well, you know, in many respects, we are the new Dodgers. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was 1957 when the Dodgers left. The market had been underserved in in, in so many different ways, sports, entertainment, and we, in 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 many respects, I think, brought it back and have hopefully elevated the 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 glamour 
um, and the meaning, you know, behind going to Brooklyn and experiencing what that great borough is all about. And, and it does start with being, in, 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 as I often tell people, an aspirational play, Barclays Center. I mean, we, for me personally, I, I want people and, and kids to grow up thinking about performing on that stage or boxing in that ring or playing on that court. And I think it's driven on, you know, people to reach higher and go wider as they aspire to make something of their lives. And, and that, to me, is a very important part of it, as well as being involved in the community. In fact, Thursday night is our second annual um, Barclay Center Cares Gala where we have sold it out thanks to the support of so many in the borough and beyond. Uh, we support many charities in downtown Brooklyn and throughout the borough. And, you know, our biggest, you know, mission is to make a difference. And I think we're doing that. We're chatting with Brett Yormark. And Brett, the Nets are a brand, we get it. But Brooklyn's a bigger brand. Absolutely. And you've recently rebranded because you you have eyes on a world without borders. Global. What's the mission? What are you trying to do? What sorts of venues do you want? How do the pieces all fit together with this as the centerpiece? Well, we, we, you're absolutely right. We rebranded recently to BSE Global. And you know, starting with ownership, um, having brought in uh, Joe Tai, the co-founder of Alibaba, as a 49% owner of the Nets, and obviously having Mikel Prokhorov as the principal owner of the Nets. And uh, how's that working out, by the way? It, it, it could be difficult. It could it's be working out just fine. You know, Joe is is a great partner, very respectful of of the process and his position. Um, he is learning a lot, as are his colleagues. Uh, it's a nice transition sale, as I like to call it, as they learn the business and get ready to take control in three years from now, if that's what they desire. Um, but Joe's been a value creator, obviously opens up a lot of opportunities uh, in China as we think about global expansion and doing business everywhere. But Joe is also very much rooted here in New York, having gone to Yale, having gone to high school at Lawrenceville in New Jersey. Um, so he's been very helpful, as uh, his colleagues have been, uh, on the commercial side of the business and very supportive of Sean Marks and his efforts to improve the team. Um, but there, there's a great culture fit, you know, between um, the two owners, uh, which certainly helps. And, you know, one thing that I've been able to enjoy, as Sean has, um, they give us a lot of autonomy to run the business. And um, it's been business as usual as Joe has become a, a part of our ownership Sounds very group. Warren Buffett. Give him the resources and get out of the way. Well, I mean, candidly, that's kind of how it's been um, in my 14 years in the organization. And uh, obviously, it's not our business, but we run it um, with great diligence and direction from ownership, but they do let us do what we need to do every day. But our goal, starting with ownership, is to do business everywhere. Uh, we've got a nice footprint here in the New York metropolitan area. When you think of our venue business, our goal is to expand beyond that. I think London is our next horizon, uh, something that we've been looking at for quite some time now. And, and I would think, that be an entertain, not a sports venue or an entertainment venue? An entertainment venue. What, what sort venue. of like mid-size kind of thing? Uh, small to mid-size. You know, our, our vision on the entertainment side is, in many respects, to create a progression ladder uh, up to Barclays Center and to a lesser degree... Uh, NYCB Live, the, you know, the home of the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Long Island. And in order to do that, we've had to diversify our, our portfolio. So about two years ago, we acquired Webster Hall with our partners AEG. Uh, we also have the downtown Paramount in, in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And the goal is how do you connect with artists early and often in their careers, let them start at Webster, then go to Paramount and make their way right up to Barclays. So to the extent we can replicate that progression ladder, in, in great markets around the world that are, you know, that are nurturing great talent, 
we'd like to do that. And we think the UK is a natural next step for us. And in many respects, we've seen our brand there for years, given, you know, that it's the headquarters of Barclays. So, and we just recently uh, created an extension of our North American Advisory Board, where we now have a London chapter. So I think in the next hopeful, you know, 60 to 90 days, we'll have a meaningful announcement that gets us somewhat rooted in that market. And how do you leverage the the Nets, the the, the team, another global brand to help with the event side of, of the business? Well, I, I think in many respects, um, well, let, let me start off by saying I think the Nets have um, developed a bit of a, a, a global presence. And I think a lot of that is due to the comment you made earlier, Scott, about Brand Brooklyn. I mean, Brand Brooklyn is a global brand. It resonates anywhere in this world. You watch, you go to China, you go to the UK, and people wear it on their chest or, or, or on their caps. And it doesn't hurt that it's an NBA team, the most global of sports Th- leagues. That's right exactly now. right. And, you know, when we were thinking about our color palette, black and white, you know, we spent a lot of time and did focus groups, and we worked with Adidas at the time, who was a licensee for the NBA, and black and white is a very global color palette that resonates all also around the world. So when you think about our color palette, the market we we play in, brand Brooklyn, it 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 gives us a head start. And then as an NBA team president, I often raise my hand uh, when given the opportunity to play globally, because I think that's important. Uh, we've played in China, we've played in Mexico City last year, we've been in the UK. So playing globally I think is certainly something that that helps fuel the globalization, you know, of the of the franchise. And then again, back to ownership. You know, having a guy like Joe Tai and, and Mikhail Prokhorov, um, you know, coming from both Russia and China certainly help in those efforts too. When Joe invested well, I guess about a year ago now, I think the price opened some eyes around the league. Two point three billion dollars uh, for the team itself, not even including the building. What does that number tell you about the future of the NBA as a as a global uh, entity, as a global brand moving? Well, forward? I think Adam Silver and, and the entire NBA community has done an incredible job uh, of of growing the business, uh, growing the brand. Uh, and taking advantage of, of, of the opportunities that are out there. And I think from a team perspective, we're certainly a, a beneficiary of that. And I think, you know, the NBA has an incredible future, great upside, uh, a wonderful ownership group that's very aggressive uh, and entrepreneurial. Uh, and, um, you know, I think we're just getting started in many respects. I'm, I'm looking forward to the upcoming season. I, I think uh, the drama around the NBA season is going to be terrific. And um, we're in a real good place right now, for sure. From a revenue standpoint, you guys are not yet quite at NFL level, um, but it's reasonable to think that in, in the future, you know, that that gap could narrow. Do you see a future in which the NBA, given its global uh, footprint, can be can be bigger than the NFL? How long do you think that might take? Well, I, I don't know if we could be bigger than the NFL, but I, I do think, you know, uh, and, I, and I live by the mantra, you can control what you can control. And I think there's a lot of upside, a lot of growth. And I think about... Uh, Joe Ty and his investment uh, in the Brooklyn Nets, and he certainly realized that there's wonderful growth potential. Um, and, if I'm and investing I think in team, do, Brett, so do we. Yeah, let, let, let me ask about sort of that in arena versus at home. And I think what everybody's looking at, Joe included, is the ability to scale. And media today in sort of the Thomas Friedman flat world, you can scale without limit. And whether that's a 30-second highlight clip whether that's the last two minutes of a game, just do the math on number of games times number of seats versus worldwide consumers. That's where the opportunity is, and here I am again with my cell phone. How do sports in general, 
how does the NBA, how do the Nets, how does, how does BSE Global, how does it pursue customers and fans who are used to this little device Well, I think now? if you look at the NBA, what they've done just in China is a great example. I mean, there are well, they've no, been there for so long. Yeah, that was no, the key. They were yeah, there early. But there are no teams there. But I think that's a, a recipe for success. I mean, it's a wonderful blueprint how, they can do, how they've been able to deliver meaningful content to a market like China. Reinforce it, you know, with the China the game games. of the week gets like twenty and million absolutely. per night. Gets yeah. twenty all, million all, viewers. All all Nets games are in one way, shape, or form, um, you know, delivered, you know, to to that marketplace, um, whether streamed uh, or on CCTV. I mean, whatever the case might be, and and I think that's wonderful for for the NBA, but also great in, in as we try to grow the sport and do it through content. And you're hearing about content deals that the league is doing all over the world right now. In, in markets where they see upside potential and, and fandom. So um, you're right. I think it's limitless. I think the upside is terrific. And I think the continued globalization of the sport is on the horizon. Are you on the buy or sell of Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, real bidders for those rights that have traditionally gone to the NBCs and Foxes of the world? Well, I mean, I think you have to, you know, everyone's a, a, a potential candidate, you know, down the road. Obviously, we, we have great media partners right now, and who knows what the future might present. But if you, if, if you look at boxing as an example, I mean, and, and how, you know, those content deals have, have, have come to be over the, the course zone. of the last, the zone, the last you know, month or two, uh, OTT and, and, right. and marrying that digital platform is something that they think um, has incredible upside and can grow the sport. Now, I think terrestrial TV, there'll always be a great need for it. And I love what the PBC did recently with their Fox deal and, and Showtime for that matter. Um, but the distribution of, of live sport uh, on a digital platform is, is, is an incredible opportunity for, for many players well, You today. also like people coming in the building. And I'm fascinated, sort of, how does the battle shape up? Let's pretend here I am. I'm Ariana Grande. I'm... Taylor Swift. Uh, let's pretend. You're sitting <laughs> down with... It. Man, this is uh, a lot of pretending here. Uh, right, I'm Justin ahead. Bieber, okay? You said it, I did Michael. <laughs> Please, I wish we had a photo of Bar to put up right now. They, you're dealing with their management. They're, they're picking venues to play in New York. How does that battle shape up? How do you say... Is it an either or, or is there a both? How do you say Barclays is the place for you? Well, I, I, and that's a great question. We um, let me take a step back for a moment. When we were doing uh, a lot of due diligence before Barclays was built, we realized through our data that this market was at almost full capacity as far as how they could host some of the biggest and greatest events and artists. And I think that's come, uh, you know, to fruition, you know, and where it came to fruition. And now when you think about Barclays and what we've done over the last six years, MSG r remains MSG. I mean, they're a legendary venue and they've done a terrific job programming their building. But Barclays has been very additive to the marketplace. This market was losing content, great shows, great events. And when you think about uh, the rankings and Polestar or Billboard, I mean, we're one too. Um, between MSG and Barclays. So the market's big enough for both of us. So now let's let's you know, determine, you know, why Barclays versus MSG or why MSG over Barclays. You know, when you think about Brooklyn, there's a hip, cool factor. And I think, you know, from, from our perspective, we, we have a sweet spot. And that's for that younger artist, you know, that wants that equity transfer, that wants to play Brooklyn for all the right reasons. They've heard a lot of great things about the borough. They want that hip, cool play. And, and Brooklyn delivers it. Um, and so when you think about, you know, the artists that have come to Brooklyn over the last six years, I mean, we've had your legendary acts for sure. Um, but, you know, the, the up and coming emerging artists, that young pop 
urban artist that that wants that Brooklyn play uh, has made it their home, and uh, they keep coming back. And there's lots of reasons for it. Uh, I think customer service plays a key role in it. Um, they make money in our building, um, which also is a factor. Um, and, um, you know, I think in many respects, we give them a reason to keep coming back. Um, what, do you, what do you make the most money on? Well, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, our, our business is quite healthy. Um, obviously, the anchor tenant is, is the Brooklyn Nets. So I think m most buildings would say their anchor tenants are drive the, the most revenue. But is that why hockey, it's better for you, for the Islanders, to play games elsewhere because you can make, more with the concerts, with the family entertainment, whatever. Well, the Islanders, I think, is a is a is a totally different scenario. Um, when you look back at you know the whole Islanders move to Brooklyn, um, it's been met with mixed results. Um, and we had we had hoped for more. I think the fans had hoped for more. But at the end of the day, Long Island is their core marketplace. That's, That's where, where the where fan, their base, fan is. base resides. And um, the the fact that we were able to move 20 games back there this year, and who knows what that grows to over the course of the next couple of years, was the right move. And I want to thank Gary Bettman for approving it. I want to thank uh, the Islander ownership for really being great partners. Right, but for people who may not know, by the way, also, you own that property also. Yes, that's, that's so, a, I mean, it's, a BSE it's, Global it's, it's venue. It's a BSE Global venue it's as well. It's a BSE yeah, Global people venue. People might not and, know the Coliseum is. And, and it's great for the building. It creates purpose for that building. But big picture, that's where the fans are. And I think the fans found it challenging to commute to Brooklyn, especially during those weekday events. Um, and, you know, weekend, weekends were a little different. As a, as a new resident of New Jersey, thank you for putting the word challenging and commuting in the same sentence, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I'm can I, I too, uh, if and anybody from NJT is listening, I too am finding Listen, it challenging. <laughs> commuting has been, you know, top of mind on the news, I think, a, a lot lately. And um, But I, I think, you know, the fans are getting what they deserve, and that's their home team back to Long Island. And I think it's going to work out really, really well out there. Last time I was at the Barclays Center, I think, was last year was for an eSports event, uh, which I may have been your first or your second. Uh, what did you guys learn from from that experience? How did that kind of compare to So you the were at boxing, the ESL event, the ESL event um, yeah. which is one of their biggest North American events. And mm -hmm. In fact, um, that event comes back uh, later this month, mm -hmm. which we're – which we're thrilled about. We did have the Overwatch Championships, the first Overwatch Championships this past July. Which Speaking was of young, hip, cool audience. And yeah, new, I mean, yeah. terrific. And Brooklyn makes a lot of sense. I mean, it makes a lot of sense for Brooklyn to be destinational when you think about esports, just the makeup of the community, the millennials, you know, the tech-centric, you know, businesses that, you know, call uh, Brooklyn home. But we've learned a lot uh, about consumer behavior. Um, in fact, you know, it, it just just the choice of food and beverage changes when you when you host. Um, Let's hear. That, that, that's very interesting. Event. Less what, beer. What, what's the difference? It's less beer and a lot more Red Bull. It is Red Bull. Um, <laughs> no, really. I mean, that's that's the reality. You of should it. have an oxygen bomb. <laughs> that's, but, that, that'll be mine, right? There. But that's yeah. a change. And, and I'll tell you what I felt, uh, which, which was which was terrific, is the first ESL event that we hosted. Eighty percent of those that were in attendance were first timers yeah. to the Barclays Center. So it brought a whole new demographic, a millennial demographic. How much data did you collect from first timers for we, to get we, them back? We did. We we you know we 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 collected a lot of data, and we we've, we're building up a nice database now based on some of the activity we've had in the esports space. 
Um, we're excited about our event later this month, and we want to be a destination for esports for sure. We sold out both events for Overwatch, um, which were which was terrific Saturday and Sunday. Uh, over thirteen thousand were in the building both nights. So it it's it's an amazing business, one that certainly has incredible upside, and we want to be a part of it. And as you talk about other venues, possibly even smaller ones in different places. Esports fits very well into that model. And we will make sure those venues are esports compatible. Yes, absolutely. Whether it's Webster, whether it's Paramount, we think there's a a great play there for smaller audiences and certainly something we're we're discussing. Well, Geezer Bar, are you surprised how esports has taken off? I, I, I am. Um, But at the same time, I'm not. I mean, I have a a 14 year old at home, and when he's not, you know, playing basketball or tennis, uh, I mean, he's on his phone and he's playing Fortnite and he's playing, you know, other games. And I think um, young kids today are, are very engaged um, in the sport. And in fact, next year, uh, we will have a team um, that's part of the NBA esports initiative, the NBA 2K League, which we're very excited about. You know, 17 teams were involved in it this year. Uh, four teams are getting involved I know you next don't want to say who won. No, I know who won. Trust me, I know who won. <laughs> well, uh, we'll let the folks look it up. Congratulations to the New York Knicks. Yes. <laughs> or what is it? So yes. Yes. <laughs> so, they did not have a great regular season. No, but they, no, they, they stepped it up. It you reminded know, come the me of ninety, the lockout shortened season. They finished. Remember in the regular, they finished number eight in the East that year and went to the finals yeah, against no, the Spurs. Congratulations to them. No, that's great. That's great. <laughs> so, Hopefully, we can have the same kind of success next year. No, you're very busy. But what what don't we know? What's what's new? What's next? What's exciting? What do you what do you see on that horizon? I mean, everything's going really well right now. I mean, as you and I discussed earlier, I mean, globalization is certainly something we're focused on. Uh, I'm thrilled about the Nets uh, and, and you know, the, the opportunity that we will have in front of us, I think, over the next 12 months when you think about free agency um, and the opportunity to improve our team. It's the first time since 2013 where we control our first-round draft picks. Wow. Which is amazing. Um, <laughs> but you had Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett for a little while. For, for, for oh, a short and while. And Jason Perry. <laughs> but when you think about the fans, you know, they, they want to be able to see... A plan. A, a plan. They want, a plan. they want to see a blueprint. And we're in a position right now where we can sell that blueprint, that hope, that vision. And I think what Sean and Kenny have done has, has been terrific. Um, player development, you know, just kind of retooling. Um, you know, the franchise and giving us a foundation that we can grow from. And by the way, fans are responding very favorably. Uh, Revenue is up um, almost 20% year over year, which is terrific for us, uh, given the fact that we haven't made the playoffs in the last couple of years. So I'm very excited about the upcoming season, excited about the Islanders move back to Long Island. We discussed that. Excited about the continued development of our programming at Barclays Center. Um, that, that, that should be terrific. We're going to open up Webster Hall sometime this winter. Uh, which I'm really excited about, an iconic venue that so many fans have experienced in and around New York. So we're going we're to be able to bring Bart, that back. Did you see Flock of Seagulls there way back in the day? <laughs> Michael, did you ever make it to Webster Hall? I never made it to Webster Hall. No, how about you, Scott? I've been to Webster I know Hall, been, CBGB's. Yeah. I was yeah. at all of them. Yeah. Okay. I actually stayed, stage dived at, dived at CBGB's. Okay. So I have that claim to right. fame. So right. we're, we're excited about that, too. A lot, a lot of, of excitement. things going a lot, on. A lot of excitement out of yes. BSC Goebbels, Brett Yormark. Brett, thanks so Thank much you. for coming in. Thank you. Takeaways. There are a lot of takeaways, but the one that impressed me about Brooklyn is a brand. And when you think about it, yes, because 
when I was, you know what, the stupid thing that popped in my mind when he mentioned about Brooklyn and when I was a kid years Medina, ago he, back Medina, in Medina, Bar's asking us if we know the stupid thing that popped into his mind. <laughs> Who wants to venture a guess there? <laughs> I mean, you remember Welcome Back, Carter? Do I do I know Arnold Horshack? Is that what you're asking? That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> you do that well. Washington? Too well. <laughs> Do I know? Welcome back, Cotter. Welcome back. Come on. Dreams that we do. Come on. Come on. Uh, Anyway, Frank. No, I mean it's it's true. You you knew Brooklyn years ago from the old TV shows and this and that, and of course it is still here today. Can we get Gabe Kaplan on? He is a great poker player. Poker player. I know him from the poker, and one of my favorite movies. What was it where he was the coach at Cadwallada University? Did you ever see that oh, movie? Do you remember no. that? He was the basketball coach at Cadwallada? Yeah. Fast break. Yes. Fast yes. break. The, the opening <laughs> scene where, let's just say, they're doing something in the car they're not supposed to, and the, the, the police siren comes up from behind them, and let's just say they're shoving a whole bunch of stuff in their mouth so the police can't find it when they get pulled over, and they pull over, and the, the police car zooms right past great beginning oh man (laughs) my takeaway from this thing was that you've got an owner from russia you've got an asian owner one is selling to the other they're helping with e-commerce they're so they're helping with globalization so much going on in the franchise so much going on in the league excited to see in the as i've said a million times flat world scalable media how this franchise in particular takes its content around the world. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. This one, now this is a serious number. I'm just going to say two million. Two million. We did not discuss this week, so two million. Don't know. This one is serious. I know. I don't like when you go serious. This this is Michael Jordan. Oh, donating. Yes, yes donating two million dollars to the relief and recovery efforts in the wake of Hurricane Florence. It just ripped through his home state of North Carolina. It, good for him. A million of that will go to the Red Cross, and the other million to the Foundation for the Carolinas Hurricane Florence Response Fund. Uh, nothing to say other than good job, Mike. Yeah, it's well. It went through Wilmington, and that was uh, his home city. Yeah, for, for many years, mm-hmm. you know. And I just a prayers to, to. I know it's now become a cliched phrase, but uh, really prayers to everyone involved uh, in trying to recover from the Florence just mess that it left. So it's going to be a while. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week at the same time, plus online as an Apple podcast. You can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael and that's Bar- what it says. It says that this time. See, see, yeah. that, that, you were it not does. being tested. It says that. I, I saw that. That's like, hey, this, they made it easy. That was easy for you this yeah. time. Thank you, Medina. We appreciate it. Anytime. <laughs> I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. Big Bar. And a shout out to our Bloomberg Business of Sports You're still giving the shout out? Evan Novi Williams. I not, shouldn't. You're reading the script, but you shouldn't that, give the shout out. I really retract, shouldn't. Retract. You don't have to finish the sentence. You can retract the shout out. I, I, no, I'm going to give a shout out. You know why? Because I'm a peaceful man. Yeah. I, I'm a classy guy. All right. And, you know, meow. All right. You better Now you got to monitor your Twitter to see if you go one follower <laughs> down. I almost put another 
cat video up today. I'd like do he doesn't know. Do it and I'll monitor the response. <laughs> we'll talk about it next week. Uh, Evan, uh, he joined us in our interview, and of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Novi Meow Williams. No, I'm yeah. it, <laughs> underscore, it underscores how angry he was at you. Yes. And I'm Scott Soshnik. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnik. Thanks for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast on iTunes. 